You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Pauses and even this worship this morning that just as a reminder, right now as a reminder to everyone watching me online, everyone in the house, that Lord, really our lives have been affected in such a amazing, amazing way by your influence. That Father, we don't take any of this lightly and teach us. Lord, thank you for the insights and revelation knowledge, but at the end of the day, we want the Holy Spirit to talk to us, to talk to us this morning, and give us a fresh word from heaven that we will walk out of here knowing more about who you are and how, what you do in our lives. We give you glory and praise for this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, well, I'm glad you guys came to church. You know, like I say, summer is like this really weird time when you don't know who's, gonna, who's out on vacation or what have you, but um, so it's good to see everyone this morning. You know, I want to just, uh, I want to open up with just some notes, and, um, and then we'll get, there's not, this morning's, I'm going to teach, oh, release the crack, I'm not sure, release the children. <laughs> See, I'm out of rhythm. All children are released, nurseries available. What else did I miss? Everybody's like giving me hand signals, and thanks, <laughs> just really reminding me. Okay, so, um. I want to open up with a statement now that I got back in my room. So I want to talk about grace, but I really want to, you know, if it's not a personal perspective of it, it really doesn't mean a lot because you can teach grace. You know, you got, you know, certain definitions. We kind of understand it. And last week, you know, we kind of went into the idea. The title of the series is called Grace for the Gutter because a lot of the messages, it's like, you know, we look at grace like it's the thing we need to obtain to clear up our nastiness to clear up our dirtiness, to clear up. So, so, you know, he provides grace. You know, we, we, we have dirt. And, okay, whew, I got grace. You know, I'm clean, I'm, I'm good to go, you know, I'm bound to heaven. And, and sometimes we kind of put in a capsule that that's all that grace does. And then the other thing we do, which is, it's a, it's a, this is really a mind thing that as a Christian, especially if you've been around the church for any length of time, the other thing you're going to have to break out is, because we say this, right? We say, and I'm going to read that scripture in a moment, it's in the Bible. It says, Old Testament, if I say, what's the Old Testament about? Some of you Bible scholars, what are you going to yell at me? It's the law. Right? That's what it is. What is the New Testament about? It's about grace. Right? But the problem with that is that grace has always been. And if you don't see it in the Old Testament, in a relation, this is what you've got to see. In the Old Testament, the relationship of, of God's grace to humanity is a relationship of a broken, how can I put it this way, broken humanity without the ability to reconnect to him because Jesus hasn't come. You get me? So it's a broken, it's pretty much the state you were in before Jesus showed up. And this is what's really cool about this because you think about grace as something that is for the believer. And yes, you know, thank God we have grace. The more I, the more I preach about this, the more I think about all the things that grace has done in my life. But if we're not careful, then we kind of 
we have exclusivity, right? Grace is ours, and it's not because in the Old Testament, God showed grace to people that had no relationship other than mind relationship. They really didn't have a spirit. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have the born-again experience. So when you see it from that side, you really begin to change things. And, and so we're going to you know, kind of go where the Holy Spirit wants. So I'm just going to introduce you know, some of my own personal thoughts that, about this whole idea that we're talking about. And, you know, when I, when I came to God, I'll just read it just like I wrote it, because sometimes, you know, I write them and then I <laughs> change it. I'll just read it just like, this is my thought. I said, when I accepted Jesus Christ, accepted Christ as my Savior, I was lifted out of the gutter. And listen to this. But I was not made better than those who remained. Listen to that. I got chills by saying, I, know the, I mean, the Lord really planted this a couple of weeks ago when I was planting, you know, because we have a tendency to think that grace makes us better. We, think, we have a tendency to think that the Christian experience gives us exclusivity to something that nobody else has. And, and that is so far from the truth because if, if, we, if, we, if we just put it in that capsule, we're going to limit really what God is trying to express. Because, you know, and I'm talking about things that happen in my life, right? You know, you get born again, you're, you're really in my life. You know, some of your stories might be completely different, but I literally, not literally, literally a gutter, but that was about the last thing that I needed was a literal gutter, right? I was like zeroed out on everything. My life was broken. My wife is leaving my kid. You know, I mean, two little kids go down the path. So grace becomes available to me. But what happens if I don't understand that that same grace that pulled me out of by no thing that I have done, now I find Jesus. And if I'm not careful, I begin to think, wait a minute, I'm still the same person. And if, and if grace was to be removed... I'm still the same person. And if you don't understand that, you will begin to look at people in a different light. Especially people that are broken. People that are down. People that don't have any hope. The people that live under the bridge. The people that we go minister to in Cuba. You know, those are people, if I could say this, that are still in the gutter. And there's believers. Because of maybe, you know, circumstances, life, you know, whatever you want to they're still struggling with these things. And the worst thing that a believer can do is say, well, you know, I got this, I got grace, Jesus loves me, I want to make sure grace flows freely, and ignore. Because, you know, I'm going back to, I'm going to build off, off last week's message, you know, grace is the most powerful in the darkest places. That is where it really is significant. And I didn't have time to break them all down and all down, but if you just go by the life of Jesus, you see two versions, and I'm going to get into some of the Old Testament teaching I want to show you. In the life of Jesus, you see the most powerful grace and miracles and life-changing power in Jesus. You know where you see it? You see it in the gutter. You don't see it in the church. You see it in the leper colonies. You see it by the well of sick, hopeless people. You see it in the woman that's going to be executed for committing adultery. You see it in the woman that has no hope left, and all she says, can I have some crumbs? I'm not a Jew. I don't deserve it but can I have some crumbs of your grace? Wow, I'm getting so emotional with this because that's where grace was the most powerful. You know what we've done in church? And not us, you know, 2,000 years of religion. We brought grace exclusivity into this house. And yes, thank God we have grace here, but it's most powerful in the gutter. And that's what we're going to be working on because unless you see that, you, you know, you, you're not going to be understanding the power because what's, ha- you know, at the end, I'm going to give you the end of where we're going with this, is that you can walk out of here saying, wow, you know, I, I am equipped, I am empowered 
to make a difference. I'm empowered to change somebody's life, not because I'm all it, not because I'm super Christian, but God gave me a grace. But that grace, where it's going to be the most powerful, is where it was meant to go, into the dark. Are you here? Now, again, I'm, gonna, I'm going a lot of different, you know, in all the different directions, but I'm trying to bring one point, then I'm going to show you some, some beautiful things from the Old Testament about grace. And Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, don't go there, verse 1, 2, and 3, and so forth, you know, the creation story. You really see, again, I'm not going to stretch this, but to me it's, it's a picture of grace. Let me read it so I don't mess it up. You know, don't, don't go there because this is just, you know, it's not even. But it, to me it just represents really what grace is doing. So, so first of all, let's go back for those of you that weren't here. You know, grace is not a thing. It's, it's, it's the personality of God. So you can, you can interchange the name grace with Jesus, you know. I mean, it's not, it, it is an attribute, it's a personality you know, or a characteristic of God's personality is to give freely this endowment that is not like, oh, let me go pick up a little bit of grace and sprinkle it on them. No, he is moving part of his spirit into your life with this endowment that just moves things from the super into the natural. I'm telling you, you know, we talk a lot about faith, yes, you know, but, but remember this, faith takes, say this with me, faith takes what grace makes. So you don't want to confuse, you know, grace, you know, put all this availability of, of God's love. Really, it comes down to love, but it's a, a, according to our faith, we draw that. So I kind of joke about, you know, some people say, you Christians are, you know, you guys are so crazy. You believe God for a good parking spot. Anybody in the room that crazy or am I the only lunatic here? But you know what we're asking? We're not asking for God create a new parking spot because I don't feel like walking. You're asking for favor. You're asking for grace. You're asking, do something, Lord, that might make me. But God says, hey, no, you know what? You're too fat. I'm going to get you a parking lot way over there so you can get your steps in. No, I'm just messing with y'all. Because sometimes, you know, we ask God for one thing. That's another part of the message by grace. And he gives us what we need, not what we ask for. Anyway, we'll get to that. But grace is that. It's, it's favor. You know, favor, you walk into a store and you just... Have, you know, I remember we were helping this guy in Laredo, quick, quick story of grace, and I was, we saw Laredo Church and some of the team, and the guy's just going through some stuff, and we had to buy him some shoes, right? And so we went to Walmart, me and another guy, and, and I'm always, I always believe for favor. I mean, I, I'm like automatic, you know, so if I, you know, I, I don't, so we're going, and we found, he, had, he needed some work boots, you know, the guy had just come out of jail, long story, but he needed, he got a job, whatever. So the boots that he needed were like 60 bucks work boots, right, and certain size, so I already had them. But then I look over, and there's exact same pair, exact same pair. Nothing different. I don't know what caused this. Marked at $24. Well, the Mexican in me says 24 is not better than $60. So I put the $60 boot and took the, Pastor, you're being silly. No, I believe that's favor. Little, I mean, favor, you can't just say, oh, favor, God parted the Red Sea in my life. Yeah, favor did that too. When you had the biggest crisis in your life and God showed up, favor did that. Grace, when I, when I use favor, same word, okay? Grace, just, you know, different aspect. You know, the big grace, boom, got healed of cancer. Same thing. But it comes down to believing every aspect of your life, you know, of difficult situations. Where's the grace to this? Difficult people, where's the grace to this? Because here's the thing, you know, we learned last week, none of you got it. None of you did anything to get it. It's completely free. But we have to see the dynamics because that's what problems. You know, church... 
it's such a different place than a university or, or a school. Because, and that's the problem. You come to church, you guys sit over there, I stand, and you guys go automatic into classroom mode. I mean, that's just normal. There's a teacher, I'm sitting down, he's going to teach me something. That's correct, that's the truth. But we're not in school. Well, let me put this, if we are in school, we're in the school of life. And the information you get here is not for you to take notes and you have a test at the end of the semester. Come on, y'all, wake up. What you hear could potentially save your life down the road. You're not going to get that from a university course. What you hear could potentially save your marriage. Amen. What you hear potentially could keep your kids walking with the Lord and not having to end up with a severe drug addiction down the line. So we are in a different, you know, where I'm going is we are in a different, you've got to break your, your mind out. I'm not in school. I'm here to receive information. And, and so the subject of grace becomes a very important subject because, yes, we talk, I talk about it every year, by the way. So what did he, yeah, I have certain subjects I will cover every year. If you get bored, find another church. Why? Because we have to cover the basics all the time. Because if we get so deep, we get so deep, the Holy Ghost can't even find us. And then, and then the church gets weird and the church gets flaky. So every year you have to cover the foundations, faith, grace, so forth and so on. So, so, so to me it's a challenge, you know, after almost 28 years of preaching, how many messages of grace can you come up with? Well, it's not about how many you can come up with. It's, Lord, give me, give me insight that I haven't seen. And that's a challenge of, of, my, of my challenge, right? So I go with a brand new outline. Trust me, I could produce grace outlines all day. I, I went back to my archive, like files. And, and sometimes I'll go through an outline. I'll say, okay, I like this phrase. I'll copy, you know, cut and copy and put it into my. But I want something new. And really, this thing that God is showing me about grace in the gutter is really even changing my perspective of how this whole dynamic works. Amen? So let's get into it first of all. I want you to go. Uh, well, I was going to read Genesis. I'm sorry. ADD moment. That's SHH's fault because he taught me to talk like that. We had, I had a meeting with HH this week, business meeting, and I'm like, rule number one, no ADD conversations. We almost got through it. Because <laughs> we'll be talking about something, then we'll be over. How do we get over here? Anybody? All right. Genesis. Don't go there. Chapter 1, verse 1. Because I want, I, want I want to show you a picture of grace. And then we're going to get into dissecting some of these things. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face. Instead of deep, put your name. Try it. Instead of deep, put your name. Y'all with me? I'm going to read my name. So don't, don't say Kelvin. Say your name. Because this is me without God. Totally me. This is me without God. I, I don't know what else to add to this one. And Kelvin was without form. Well, I, was, I had a form, probably fat. But anyway. But I was void, completely empty of anything of value. Darkness was upon me, my lifestyle, the destructive lifestyle I was living, upon the face of me, or the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the, that face of the water. So, so what I want you to say is, 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 look, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Stop. Nothing here talks about creating the solar system. All right? Now, if you want to, you know, if you subscribe to evolution, which I don't, you know, whatever. I read everything because you got to be able to know some stuff, talk to people, right? 
Like, I got a couple things, you know, about natural selection. I wonder how that works into the whole LGBT craziness, because according to natural selection, they're going to disappear eventually. But that's their, that's their theories. That's not mine. That's evolutionary theory. But um, if you subscribe to the evolutionary theory, they say the same thing, right, H? Like, there's nothing, and this is where they, they get stuck, because you can't have something from nothing. So there's something. It's called God. Well, what about the Big Bang? Yeah, God is big, and he said, bang! <laughs> Light beep. That's exactly what the scientists believe is the beginning of the creation. Explosive for no reason. All of a sudden, everything's dark. All of a sudden, it goes. And here we are, billions and billions of years later. Whatever, if you believe that. My point is, Grace hovers over darkness all the time. It's always hovering. And those people in your life that you say, wow, is he ever going to change? Is she ever going to change? Oh, my God, I'm tired of praying. You, maybe you need to stop praying. You better start believing. And not believing that, the, well, I just told Jesus, I hope they come to Jesus, hope they get saved. What about, Lord, let them have an encounter with your grace? Because grace is not limited to the believer. Actually, grace is the strongest where the... Where the darkest is, that's the whole point of this message this morning. Okay? Now, with that in mind, it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face, and the Spirit of God, and the word moved means it fluttered, kind of just held kind of a holding pattern over this darkness, waiting for God to speak. Just there. Void. Chaos. Now, you know, we could go along to what I, you know, Pastor, what do you, you know, do you believe in 6,000 years? No, I don't believe that because I've been to the, you know, all the Grand Canyon and all this. I believe between verse 1 and verse 2, there's millions and millions and millions and millions of years. That's what I believe, if you wonder, okay? Because if you believe in 6,000 Earth, you know, theory, you're going to have to do something with the dinosaurs. I'm just telling you, they're out there. <laughs> and, you know, we're pretty confident they're millions and millions and millions of years old. So don't, that's, that's where Christians get weird. You know, we, we pick up on these ideas, and, and people that study these things like, now you guys are like, I don't even want to hear about your Jesus because you're so far off on this one that probably Jesus is way out there too. So you have to have this balance. I know I'm, I'm, on, a, I'm on a little rabbit trail, but this will help you, it'll educate you a little bit. But the thing is, between verse 1 and verse 2, there's chaos, which gets in line with evolutionary theory which we, don't, we really don't care if it's in line or not, because we don't believe it. I'm just saying, and chaos begins to take form when the manifested presence of God comes in. Yes? Say, thank you, Michael. I'll just preach to you, because everybody else just left already. So. so the manifested presence of God on chaos brings order. I'm preaching at you. You guys don't even know I'm preaching at you. Question. What, li- what areas of your life are completely in chaos? Don't answer. Yeah, she didn't see that. H pointed at his wife. Are you kidding me? I know both of them very well, and I think it's the other one that needs lots. You're going to need a lot of grace after this service. I just, I really believe that. <laughs> anyway, let's keep going. Let, give me um, that first one, guys. Uh, again, the slides are going to be a little different because this is more of a format. But, um, we have accepted, before, before we go into that, we have accepted 
grace, I'm, I'm, you know, so grace is fluttering over chaos. Remember that. But we have accepted grace for salvation, which I've talked about. We talked about this last week. I'm just going to go some, over some of my notes here. And we've learned that grace is most powerful in our weakness. We learned that last week. Grace also is there, but here, that's what we're going to learn. But grace is not just, oh, I'm saved, I got favor. Grace takes care of everything. It, t- it takes care of healing, restoring, and I like this one. Grace vindicates you. Think about that. Think about your life process where maybe you messed up or somebody messed up for you. God will vindicate that. And I'm going to show you right now. So grace covers all these areas now, right? So it's not, okay, I'm just grace for salvation. Woo, no, no. Grace is like air. But the faith that you develop in knowing that. And one of the little phrases that, I, that I've been throwing at you for a couple of weeks is, and you don't have to do this, it's just my... It helps me see things the way I need to see them. I chose, personally, to stop calling, just for my reference and my ideas of how God is, I chose to stop calling, referring to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit. That's just me. That's just the way I'm wired. Because when I say, when I refer to him as Spirit and not the Spirit, I immediately put him into everything of my life. Because if I say, hey, there's the Spirit of God, right? We kind of locate him. I want the Spirit of God. We bring him in. I hurt the Spirit of God, so he left, whatever. No, if you, if you remove the word the, at least in my estimation of my, the way I'm processing it, he's everywhere. So now it's not like, if I'm being an idiot, he's still there. If I'm being good, he's still there. If I'm yelling at my wife, he's still there. Spirit is everywhere. Spirit is there. Right? Another illustration, because here's what I want you to say. Don't, how can I put it, divorce spirit from grace. Because it's all, it all, everything is intertwined. So by saying this, I'll, I'll give you another illustration. The more, you know, and then we're going to build into this. So on a very windy day that we've had a few, and, you know, trees are moving, and, and you point out, and you say, hey, and, and it's just really windy, and you're with your buddy or your wife, and you say, wow, look at that. Look how strong the wind is. Has anybody ever said that? In some form or fashion? Yes, we all have. But we said something really incorrect, right? Because what we, are really, what we really said was, wow, look what the wind is causing. Right? Because you can't see the wind, but you can feel it, and you can see its influence. Okay? Think of the Spirit in the same way. And once you resolve that the Spirit is everywhere all the time, regardless of if you're being good or bad or ugly or whatever, so I, I say, wow, you know, look what, you know, is happening in my life. You know, look at this. You know, I was lost and now I'm found. I was on drugs and I'm not. I'm clean. I'm healthy. I'm delivered. Look. You know, you could say, look what the Spirit has done. Yes. But it's more like, look what the influence of the Spirit has done. Why is this important in your, in, your, in your mental thinking? Because now you don't isolate this in, in different situations in your life. In other words, the spirit is always a spirit regardless of what your attitude is. Regardless if you decide to be a good person or not. The spirit is still the spirit. And it's, it's in the air you breathe. And it's in the, everything you do. And it's tangible. Like this morning, I don't know, but the Spirit is... I mean, you, you keep pressing that praise and worship envelope. You keep pressing it. You keep pressing it. And there'll be a point, if, if everyone's heart's right about what we're trying to do, 
If you're over there sitting judging, they don't sing that good. I wish Kathy was here. She sings whatever. Everybody could be in the presence of God. You must estar todo amargado because, you know, what I'm saying is spirit doesn't depend on you. (laughs) So now I'm going to give you another one. Grace doesn't depend on you. But moving within those dynamics, that depends on you. So, we are, you know, again, I'm not, we're talking about maybe, what is it, six months of preaching now, but just kind of summarizing. Whenever you choose to walk out of love in whatever version of that is, you choose to move out of that dynamic. See me? So, so grace is specific. Grace will not, in other words, spirit doesn't fight spirit. Grace doesn't fight grace. And, and my job, at the end of my, you know, every day of my job, you know, 24 hours, well, except for the hours you're sleeping, right? Um, I have to have a conscience of spirit. Because spirit equals grace. And spirit hovers, always, over darkness. It could be my darkness, I'm having a bad moment, I'm having a bad situation, my family's dealing with something, yes, all of us. You know, I don't know what you're dealing with, We're, we always deal with stuff. But I choose grace versus fear. Because spirit is everywhere. So even though my natural circumstances is is bad, in all that badness, there's grace. Glory to God. Come on. I'm not even in my outline yet. I'm preaching so good this morning. So now I don't see darkness and depression and anxiety like, woe is me. Oh, God, here we go again. How long am I going to have to ride this depressive thing? I don't know. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Because the devil attacks everybody on every level. And you can, be, have, you can have everything in your life lined up and still fall into depression. Right? Sadness for no reason. My point is, the more I understand that spirit is like air and grace is like air, I immediately re- realize that even in this harsh, hard circumstances, there's, there's grace here. Somewhere, and my job is to figure out, because, you know, I'm kind of preach, I'm preaching the end of last week's message, really. Your grace is sufficient. Because in your weakness, you become stronger. Now, do you see it? So weakness could be defined, again, as something not... Like I say, hey, how many of y'all want to be weak? Nobody, no takers, right? So weakness can be identified as something like negative in our life. We're weak. We're broken. We're poor. We're sick. All, the, all these references. And, and in, again, back to last week's message, in your weakness, I am the strongest. Right? That's what he told Paul. Paul said... Come on, Lord, get this off of me. He said, no, I'm not getting it off of you because my grace is sufficient. In other words, when you realize that my grace is the strongest in your darkest place, you will get delivered, Paul. But until you realize that dynamic, that thing's going to stick on you. I didn't put it on you, but you need to realize to give it up. So what I take from that teaching last week, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to something right now, is Paul was still trying to figure this thing out. He said, Lord, take it away, and then he, like, you guys don't do this, right? Lord, fix it. God says, I'm on it. Thank you, sir. And immediately after you say that little prayer, you take your little hands, like my dad used to say, your little monkey fingers, and stick them right back into that situation that you just asked God to fix. Anybody? And then you wonder why God's not fixing it. Because the prayer was correct, the grace was available, but you, you, and, and so that was part of it, but immediate, your default, because that's how humans are wired, is I need to fix this. 
So, so that, that was Paul's dynamic. You know, he was praying it, he was acknowledging it, but when it came down to fixing it, he was trying to fix it. So once again, grace is the most powerful in the darkest places. All right, let's get to this. So let, let's say, you know, this is where we're going to go. And, I, and again, I'll respect the clock, I'll respect your time. We're just going to go with it because there's no way I'm going to finish this. And his fullness... Okay, so John is really talking about Jesus. I'm not going to read it, but, you know, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, so forth. So he's, he's still tracking that one, and he comes down and says, Of his fullness have all we received, grace for grace. I love that. I'm not even going to park on that one. But here's what I want to put. For the law was given by Moses. And that's where this division that I introduced earlier has to be talked about in the church. Because immediately we read that and we're like... No grace in the Old Testament, or, it doesn't even, or there is grace, but it doesn't really matter. No, it does matter a lot. And he says, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So we read that, and we're like, okay, no grace and truth before the law. Well, let me back up a little bit, because it says the law was given by Moses. So what was before the law? Not a trick question. Grace. There was no law. From the fall of man to Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, there's no law. In other words, there's no Ten Commandments. There's no 630, whatever, the way, however you want to part them, laws that you have to, there's nothing. There's just grace. And you can see this grace with the children of Israel. Now, I, might, I might hit that next week. But you can also see when... God removed his grace from them. Not removed it, but, but it was their choice. And there's a little scripture. I'm not, I'm not going to pull it out today. Maybe I'll show you next week because I don't want to sidetrack. But you can really see the shift. It's super interesting because you see the children of Israel misbehaving just like y'all do, right? And God's still there. Okay. And we want this, and we want that, and we want God. Okay, you want this, you want that. And everything, you know, God's just putting up with their little spoiled bratness. That's really what it is. Every time something else, they want something else. Anybody have kids like that? Well, God has billions of kids like that, all right? And God just, you know, God just working with them, working with them, working with them. And then they, they enter into this place of praise, and they really messed it up. Because they, they sing this wonderful, I mean, actually God is singing to them. It's just beautiful. I'll, I'll show you all this next week. I just want to give you the summary because it relates to what I'm going to teach you. And they're singing to God, and God begins to sing back to him. says, oh, I've lifted you up on eagle's wings, and, you know, you're my precious. And I'm, I'm not going to try to quote it, but it's really a beautiful, beautiful psalm. And then the people respond, and this is where they messed it all up. You can see it right there. God puts up with their silliness. God puts up with their, like saying, especially those caprichitos. You know, God puts up with everything. And then they have this worship service, and they're in church over in Heavenville, and they're all just worshiping Jesus. No, they weren't. They're in, you know, thousands of years ago. And God is just singing back to them. They're singing to God, and then they make one huge mistake, which was already in their heart. They said, basically, really, really, really loose paraphrase of the Hebrew syntax of what I'm going to tell you. It was basically this. Lord, with our power, we will do as you say. You say, well, that doesn't sound bad. Listen to it again. Again, I'll, 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 I'll get, again, I don't have time to dig it, but it's in there. He said, with our, basically the summary is, with our power, we will serve you. And God said, whoa, 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 no, that's not how this works. But they were set on that. In other words, they said, we choose the way to interact 
with you. Religion. Amen. And you can see the shift. I'm talking. If you guys, you know, if you want to next week, I'll, I'll walk you through this. Or, you, or I'll, you know, whatever. It just, it's not part of what I want to go. But immediately, when you see that scripture, you see that, Now God removes himself into the tabernacle. Now God only deals with Moses. And the people deal with Moses. God doesn't deal with, he was dealing with everybody all the time, not just Moses. But when the, the attitude of the children of Israel, because 400 and something years of slavery helped create this, and sorry to say, us as Latinos, I think Hispanics, we have a little bit of this, more so than a lot of people. I don't know why, I just feel like, that we feel that unless we do whatever we have to do to get it done, it's not going to get done. And we will take two, three jobs, and we will, you know, put our family somewhere just because we've got to make more money, we've got to work. You know, you know we got to do this. I've got to get it done. I've got to get it done. I'm the man of the house. Your family's all over because, you're, you know, you're working your butt off, and you don't ever see your kids anymore. I got to do it. That's what happened. God says, wow, I set this beautiful thing for you guys. And you still want to do it your way. I'll see you. You want to talk to me? You talk to Moses. And that's when God removes himself from the people. Because they chose their effort over his grace. So before the law of Moses, all there was was grace. Garden of Eden. It's all about grace. They messed it up. Grace shows up immediately. You're supposed to die, but here, blood sacrifice, you won't die. God didn't, you know, even though Adam and Eve messed it up, he didn't abandon them. He never left them. He just put them out of the nice place to live that he made. Because, you know, we're going back to what caused even that move. You guys remember this story. I mean, come on. I'm just giving you examples of grace. I'm just going through examples and examples of Old Testament grace now. Right at the get-go, man just can't have enough of the goodness. It's not enough, Lord, that I have the best place to live, the best wife, the best everything, or vice versa. I have the best husband. I have the best place to live. And here comes a serpent says, well, you're still missing something. And they come against grace. Because they felt that God did not provide everything they needed that there was, yeah, this is really good. And this is a lot of Christians that are like, this. well, this is awesome what God has done in my life, but, it, but he hasn't really completed what I believe he should complete. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it myself. You see it? And while I'm doing it, I'll just share with my husband so he can, boom, get kicked out. God didn't leave him, and God didn't take grace away from them. Cain and Abel. You would think, right? First murder, well, first recorded murder of the Bible. Cain kills his brother. You would think. Now, by this time, you know, again, I'm not going to get a story. You know, Adam lived like 900 years. So, so if you're living like that long, you're going to have tons of kids. Especially back then, there was like no TV, nothing else to do, right? Anyway, so we know, you know, the, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of information. But there's, you know, we have a lot of you know, because Cain meets up with other people. And I don't want to get weird on this, but, you know, or even dig into it where bore you guys for an hour of what I think or what I believe I've studied that that, you know, where they came from. But, but Cain meets people. The murderer finds grace. You would think God should kill him, don't you think? Eye for an eye? 
Oh, wait, but that was the law. That's not in yet. How can you demand eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth if that's not written in the law yet? So even though Cain committed murder, I'm going to say something that might shake you up a little bit. According to God's, there's no law other than a moral law that you should have as a believer that tells you it's wrong to kill somebody. We know Cain had the moral law because of his parents. Y'all still with me? That he doesn't have no religious or legal law that keeps him from killing his brother. But he knows it's wrong because when God shows up, you know, this whole thing comes up, right? You know, where's your brother? <laughs> Ooh, uh, yeah, I haven't seen him lately. Where's Grace? Kills his brother, God comes up to judgment. Cain says, I've recognized I've done something wrong. And now everybody, that's what I'm saying, there's a lot of people out there that we don't, you know, there's two versions of where all these other people came from. There's a lot, this is everyone out there will want to kill me. Which you deserve, because you killed your brother. Watch Grace come in. This guy has no reason to take another breath. He's a bad guy, killed his own brother. But somehow God finds grace to forgive him. Track with me. This is a murder. This guy has no reason. This guy's got to go. Some form. And he knows as soon as he walks out of here, because, I mean, this is like a big heaven bill. Everybody knows what's up. I mean, this, I'm, just, you know, I'm just playing with you, but this is all there. Because, you know, they didn't have, like, Facebook. Hey, did you hear Cain killed his brother? Let me tweet it. No, the people, whatever those people you want to say, there's people out there that Cain's going to meet up with, and they already know he's a murderer, and they already know they, they got, they're supposed to kill him. That's all happened within the social construct of the day. And Cain goes to God and says, as soon as I leave here, they're going to kill me. He says, no, no, Cain, I'm going to put a mark on you. Now, don't get weird on whatever that mark was. You know. Whatever that mark was, told everybody, This guy deserves to die, but he's marked by me. And if you have a fight, it's my fight. That's what he told him. He says, if any, yours should die, Cain, but my grace and my love is so powerful and my covenant to your parents is so powerful that I will mark you that you've been forgiven. I will mark you that you don't owe anybody I will vindicate you of your crimes and your sins by this mark. Boom. If that's not grace, guys, I don't know what grace is. So, you know, even though we have this scripture here, we see grace all, you know, we see it at the creation. We see it with Cain and Abel. I mean, I could just keep going. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm going to go all the way up to Moses. I could spend a lot. Noah, you see grace? Abraham, you see grace? I mean, even with Lot and his messed up way, you see grace. I mean, just Joshua. Well, that's even further, right? That's after the law. But up to Moses, you see grace, 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 grace. And then even after the law, you see so many instances of grace in the life of David. And I mean, we just go on and on and on. But every approach of grace was non-religious. In, I'm talking the Old Testament. They didn't have to go to the temple and bring a sacrifice. Yeah, I'm talking even after the law. They didn't have to go, well, I need some grace, so let's, let's, you know, let's pour all the blood out. And let, you know. No, God just, you know, he moved. And, and he, he put grace on bad guys. He put grace on good people. But, but you see in the story of Cain, what blesses me is the vindication that grace causes. 
All right. So with that, let, let's, you know, let's see how much time I have. I gotta feel, let, let, you guys getting something out of all this? You guys are looking at me like. <laughs> okay. First time we find the word grace in the Bible is found in Genesis 6, 8. I don't want to spend a lot of time, but I'll read it. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The word grace, well, let me, let me backtrack, because those of you that are hardcore theologians are going to call me out. The word grace is actually not in the Old Testament to start. You don't find the same, the same word that you use in the New Testament, which is charis, the Greek, which is, you know, whatever. We'll get to that next week, probably. You know, I'm kind of building the Old Testament version of grace. You don't find that. You find a lot of other words that mean that. Favor, endowment, so forth and so on. So the word here is a very simple Greek, I mean, Hebrew word, and it's, it's, it's H-E-N, like hen, like chicken, right? Hen. Or han, another, another translation. Go, go, go forward a couple slides. Well, give me one more slide. Let me see where we're at. I'm not really following the outline that much, but click, click move forward on the slides, guys, back there. So I've got to get to something. Okay, stop. Um, okay, here, this is what I want you to I want you to see it on the screen so, so you can go with me. This is important you understand. This is Han, it's derivative of Hanan, which also means grace, but it's also translated to have mercy, right? That's what Cain got. You should die, but I'm going to give you mercy, okay? But it has also this meaning. Han also means something precious, something of beauty, something of value. Thus, when somebody gives you, you know, let's say a dance performance or an ice skating performance, what is a phrase that we would use on somebody that is at the top of their game? We would say, wow, she is so graceful. In other words, her movement was precious. It was something of beauty. Now you get another idea of, of what God is trying to expre- express through this. And all this is Old Testament. There's no Jesus yet. This is God on, if I could put it this way, dead people. <laughs> so, keep that in your top of your definitions, because you, the definition is, have mercy, you deserve wrong, but, but hes, or I mean, hen comes, grants mercy. But the same word means, now that mercy has been granted, you've become this amazing, beautiful thing that God created. Not only does hen remove the conviction of your crime, while it's removing the conviction of your crime, it's making you beautiful in his eyes. In other words, now in God's eyes, not in your eyes, because you still got a lot of condemnation, a lot of luggage that we carry down here, all of us, but in God's eyes, now he sees you like you've never sinned. Now, we don't see ourselves like we've never sinned. That's called condemnation, right? But God has, that's, that's why God can, so you wonder, how can God say, I remember your sins no more? You mean he, he supernaturally just, why can't I do that? Well, I don't know if God just wipes it clean. I don't know how his thinking is. But I know one thing that God does. He doesn't hold him accountable anymore. They, I mean, they're insignificant. So even if his mental process, he can still remember that you kicked the dog yesterday even though you repented, the consequences of that are meaningless in your life. 
See that? Again, nothing you did. All you did was accept. So you have mercy creating something that should be dead, not only grants it vindication or freedom, it continues the process to make that person what it was meant to be from the get-go. Are you all with me? Okay. So I'm going to summarize this one. This is a really long story. So I, I was going to do it. I said, man, we do that. We're, we never get out of here. So if you go, give me the next one. The story of Hannah is a really good story. What is interesting, let's, right off the get-go, let me tell you the story of Hannah, and then I will tell you why it's important. The story of Hannah starts in 1 Samuel. It's, it's really like a one full chapter reading and chapter 2 is, and chapter 3, so it's a long time. Hannah, and again, back you up, Jewish culture, Hannah has no children. Back then, now y'all don't get any ideas, because that's, everybody say back then. then. Say it like you mean it. Back then, then, men had two wives, or more. Las que puedas mantener, para que me entiendas, all right? So no ideas, that's back then. Guys, come on, one almost killed you, don't even go there, all right? So, in, in Jewish, even today, in Jewish culture, you know, remember, Ju- Judaism is not just a religion. It's a whole ethnic, culture, nation thing. So it's a really different from the whole planet. Nobody is like the Jewish nation. Because we have Americans, and we're all a bunch of whatever, you know, different colors, different religions, different races. Jews, no, Jews have one religion. You get me? When you talk about nation of Israel, you talk about one religion. You're not talking about nation of America. So, so it's two different things. In the culture of, of, of all the way back, thousands of years, the curse, listen to me, to be cursed still today on their social level is pretty bad. Because for them, it's very important to show that they're not cursed. So two primary characteristics of the curse that everybody can see in your life is you're broke and you don't have kids. Everybody can see that. So why do you think the Jews of the world own most of the banks? Ding, 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 ding. Because they believe being broke is a curse. Imagine if we believed that. We'd be rolling in it, right? We'd be doing everything to know. Woo, no, this is a curse. No, no, it is. Poverty, listen to me. Some of you have accepted it. You need grace to break out of that mindset. Poverty's under the curse. I don't care how you look at it. Sickness is under the curse. And not having children is under the curse. And those are, but the two things that you can really see are the money and the kids. Well, in her case, it was the kids. So her other, I don't know what you would call her, the, you know, his other wife, the other, she had a bunch of kids, and she would mock her and make fun of her, like, Hannah, you're an idiot. So every year, they'd go to the temple, and one time, you know, Hannah's finally, like, just broken, you know, the social situation on her life. So she finally breaks down. She goes to, 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 to Eli, and he, she just look, the biggest thing I want in my life is to have a child. And if God grants me the privilege of having one kid, I will dedicate that child back to him. I just want to know what it's like to be a mom. All right? And there's a whole story there. And, and she's praying and she's in anguish. And, and I like that. I really wanted to get that because you can see her anguish um, in her prayer. Well, again, I, I was going to read the whole thing, but it's just too much. Long. So you see the anguish. You see her crying out. You see the, the, the high priest, you know, Eli come, coming in and talking to her. And anyway, at the end of the day, he says, God says, enough. And he grants her 
It's right in there in verse, I believe, verse 18 of 1 Samuel 1. If I, if I got this right, let me go back to this. Um, give me the next slide. Let's see what we got. I, I, I put this. Sorry, guys. Okay, we already talked about that. Give me the next one. Next one. <laughs> it's like, hey, I went all through all that. All right, so you don't look at it, but we'll, we'll, we'll pick it up here. But here's what, I, let me just read it out of here. So Hannah, in verse 18, 1 Samuel verse, well, let me just read out of King James by the time I be easier on my paper Bible, faster. So I want to show you this because, again, we're, we're in the Old Testament. Her curse is she cannot have children. But here, before I even read this, this was super interesting to me. And I had never really seen this till, till I started working on the study. So I'm, I felt like, wow, how, how, how did you miss that for 28 years? The word, what was the word for grace in the Old Testament? Hen, remember chicken, hen, or han. Her name means full of grace. Hana means one with grace. And here's her name, because remember, in the Jewish language, names are huge. I mean, they're, they're very, very important. And here is a woman that her name means, I am full of grace, and she is cursed. So this point of, the point of the story is, God comes... He vindicates her. She has the baby. And she does as she told. She takes the baby, presents it to the temple, and the baby grows up, and of course it's the great prophet Samuel, which anointed David later on in life. But wait. There's more. (laughs) Now, it seems like the baby factory is full, born, in operation. (laughs) And at the end of this run, she has five kids. You, I think she went back to the temple, but they didn't write it down, actually. Like, okay, God, hey, that was awesome, but yeah, five's good. We're good. You know, it was amazing. From having zero kids, she just asked for one. She said, God, I just want to experience, you know, motherhood. I said, I got this, but I'm going to vindicate you. I want to justify all the years that all these women mocked you. I'm not stopping with the one. Not, not only I'm going to give you a son, I'm going to make him the greatest prophet that ever lived. From the Old Testament, Samuel was the man, you know. I'm going to give you so many kids, you won't have time to do anything else, honey. That's the vindication of grace. So what I'm I'm going through this teaching this morning, and again, there's a lot of this because, you know, just go ahead, let's just read the note. God not only took away Hannah's distress, which was everybody's mocking me, I don't have kids, which would mean he showed her mercy. He raised her out of the ashes and gave her a seat of honor and dignity among her family and peers. In other words, he showed her grace. Okay, Pastor, thank you. How does that apply to my life? Once again, what, you know, self done. I mean, you did it to yourself or somebody did it to you. But whatever version of something that broke you, something that put you down socially, something that, you know, caused a lot of distress. Again, you did it or it was done to you. There's grace, specific aspect of grace, that it's about vindication. It's about making the wrongs right, even the ones that you made. Isn't that good? I'm serious. I'm having kind of like that moment. Like even, even last night I woke up. I have these weird sleeping patterns. I like wake up like wide awake at 3 in the morning. Like, ding, ding, you know, coffee time. And I'm like, no, you need to go to sleep. Like, like anybody? Oh, I feel so lonely up here. And then if I, if, if I really want to go to sleep, I say, okay, devil, we're going to do this. I start thinking about my sermon. And he goes, like, no, 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 because you'll get in set revelation inside. So mess up your hito. If you can't sleep, read your Bible. 
Stop looking at your TikTok and all that stuff. Look, just read your Bible. Now, don't read it on your phone because the electromagnetic thing's frying your brain anyway. So you'll go to sleep so quick. So I'm thinking about this, right? I'm like, three in the morning, I'm like, okay, we're going to do this? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rehearse my sermon in my head. So here we go. And I'm looking at all this. And eventually, I fell asleep, right? But, but, the, but, the, but these thoughts about how did I not see this bugged me. Because, I, you know, I've been preaching grace, grace, but I said, I've never seen grace applied to the areas of vindication. It's just like I've never saw that, even though it's Old and New Testament, you see it. In other words, the places where you've lost dignity, the places where, because of whatever happened, you lost some form of honor. And here's the thing, because grace works by faith, by love. You got it. But unless you know that that attribute of grace is available, you will always be trying to fix those areas of your so it's not a bad, you know, let, let me, I want to kind of rephrase something. You're not a bad person because you try to take matters into your own hands. That's just human nature. Say amen, because we all do it, and you're going to do it as soon as you leave this building. And, you know, that's what we were supposed to do. You're not going to lay down and bed God take care of all my, it's not going to happen. He's not going to go to work for you. <laughs> amen, that's not living by faith. But the more I understand this presence, the more I understand this grace that was freely given to me and how it moves into different areas and how it... Because here's the thing, those of you that have jobs and everyone wants the promotion, that's fine. But I'll tell you what, grace promotes. You do your job. You keep walking in love. You keep not being an idiot. You're not putting other people down and trying to climb the corporate ladder by you know, stepping on bodies, if you know what I mean, by trashing other people so you get promotion you don't do any of that you play it humble you do your job and grace but you believe it you don't say okay i'm going to sit here no say lord i really need a promotion and you're going to tell me at the right time that i'm going to talk to the boss and when i talk to her or him i'm going to be so anointed that they're not going to have a chance but to give me the raise but meanwhile i have grace for promotion i'm going to do my job and if everybody wants to i'm, I'm just going to sit here and you go watch Pash, how do you know that because it happened to me that's how i know now, I didn't know all that. I wish I did. But as I look back at my life, I saw that happen. Grace promotes. Grace gives you all the wisdom you need. I mean, there's so many aspects of God just trying to, really trying to put himself into you. That is what's coming down. His mind. You know in Isaiah where it says his thoughts are higher? That's what we're talking about. It's not that you can't think God's thoughts. It's that his thoughts take you to a place where human nature and the silliness, silliness really of humanity because everything's drama, everything's turmoil, everything's ah. And God's sitting like, guys, really? <laughs> Come up here where it's peaceful. Come up here where there's grace. You don't need that. And that place is such a nice place. And, and you see it in her life. So what do we learn from Hannah? Let me finish the Hannah story so I can move to something else and we'll be done. So what you learn from Hannah is that grace is available in, the, especially in those areas of your life where you still feel defeated, because, I mean, this is a godly woman. She's, she didn't walk into church. She's a godly woman. Still under the law, but she's a godly woman. And she went to the temple. And she, she's asking God for help. And she's asking God, vindicate me from the, you know, from the being put down by everybody because I don't have children. You know, you know, justify my life. You know, she's pleading to God. And I think, you know, as you, as you see that, that's what we need to go. You know, I mean, if you get anything out of this message this morning, is go back to today or this week or in your alone time or while you're driving up and down the highway. Just have these conversations with God. 
like, Lord, this thing is killing me emotionally. This, kill, this thing is killing me. I'm stressing it out. You know, what is that one? You know, and again, back to this. What is that one thing that keeps you up at night? What is it? Don't answer it. But that's where grace is the best. Talk to me, church. What is that one dark cloud that just hovers all, you know, you just can't seem to, either in your own personality, in your own character, or somebody in your family, or some situation at work, whatever. Whatever that dark cloud's name is, guess what? There's grace for it. But you have to know it's available. You can't just say, well, I just, no, you say, okay, Lord. And then he'll give you the dynamics. He'll say, well, you know, you need to do this, and you need to, and I mean, he'll show you how to walk in love, because it's really hard to walk in love without him. Amen? Están calladitos, oh my God. You guys are here, but you're on vacation. I just figured this out. They're still here, you know, but... So 1 Samuel, verse, chapter 1, verse, I believe it's verse 18. Oh, no, let's see, no, let's, wow. 1 Samuel. We're almost done, guys. Bear with me. I just got a couple more points, and hopefully you'll have enough to work on this week. See, here we go. So, Hannah pleads her case to Eli, And in verse 16, I'll just read three verses so you get this and then we'll move on. Count not thine handmaid for the daughter of Belial, for out of their abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken here thereto. In other words, he's saying, I am not here coming from the wrong spirit. Because, I mean, she was so into pleading with God. I mean, she was there with God and she was, I don't know if you've ever been there with God, to the point that Eli thought she was drunk. I mean, go back. She goes like, Man, you know, it's like, wait, it's way too early. That's really what he says. And she's like, well, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. But anyway, no, she didn't say that. And I'm just saying, but that's almost what happened. No, but, but Eli said, guys, you guys are horrible. I, I thought you guys wouldn't even pick up on that one. But apparently it's a thing for y'all. All right. And Hannah answered and said, this is when, she, when he thought he was drunk. Oh, well, let me just, y'all don't believe me. Here it is. Eli said unto her, how long will you be drunken? Put away your wine from thee. And Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before God. So Eli's hearing this prayer of pain, this prayer of anguish. Have you been there? Uh Uh-huh. When all your answers are done, when the doctor's report is what it is, that's where Hannah was. I'm trying to bring it into your life. The vindication, the never giving up on God. Because this is, Hannah didn't just wake up one morning and say, oh, let me go to church, see if I can have a baby. She'd been going after this thing because every time this woman would mock her and mock her. I mean, she lived with her. Remember, it's one husband, various wives. She's mock her. She's broken. She can't take this no more. And she just pours herself out to God in the temple. Doesn't care what anybody sees. And he like goes, whoa, this woman's totally wasted. No. Her spirit get, put it all out there. And that, to me, is really what I see, the recognition of grace, that grace sometimes needs your full brokenness. I mean, grace just, it really, grace is at the place where you're done, done. Not where you're done. Because you guys don't, I'm done. No, you're not. You still got a little bit left. I'm talking when you're done, done, done. Where where everything is beyond any repair of any version. And that is grace. Isn't that so good? I mean, I'm preaching myself happy this morning. Verse 16, count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, in other words, of Satan, for our, of the abundance of my complaint and grief. 
You know, we've, in, in church, especially if you run around these full gospel churches like we are, if you're not careful, they say, ooh, that's negative, you know, negative confession. Yeah, I believe, trust me, I believe all this. I, I watch my words. But there's a part where you just got to be real. Thank you for an amen there. You got to be real to God, and you got to be able to say, I'm done done on this one. I mean, and this is where she is. She says, out of the abundance of my complaint and grief. I'm trying to make one point out of this thing. Out of complaint and grief, or in complaint, and, and not complaining like you guys whine. Okay? Not, I'm not talking about whining. I'm talking about the desire for the move of God in this area. I mean, it's so intense. But look at the negative, I mean, just look at it from a, from a dark side. Remember what I, t- I started this? The Spirit of God hovers over darkness. And sometimes it's just like, oh, you know, darkness, and stay away from darkness, darkness is evil. Yeah, in that context, you don't want to be dark. But trust me, you're supposed to be where it's dark. Church was, you know, Christianity wasn't created to just to make churches and church people. We're supposed to go out there to see if this grace thing is that powerful. Because that's where God, that's where God, God's heartbeat is in the down and the broken. Don't tell me it's not, because it's all over the Bible. Now, he'll teach those people just like he taught us how to get out of down and brokenness. It was downness and brokenness. I don't know if that's English. But his heart is still pulsating over the brokenness of humanity. And as bad as, you know, we can sit here and, and make fun, and, and I not make fun, but, you know, see it from the wrong way. And hopefully when I make my little puns, I'm not coming from there because, to me, everyone's God's creation. What I don't like about what's going on in the world is the machine that drives it and trying to shove this whole thing down our throats like it's a thing. You know, it's their thing. Dios los ayude. But it's not my thing. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love the gay people. And I'll tell you what, you want to see some strong grace? Go to those areas. Go to the darkest places of the communities. Go to the drug addicts. Go to the... You know, LGBTQs, all these, you know, wherever you, you know, and not, not with some self-righteous picketing sign. Where, but no, because I already told you. The only difference between you and them is grace. That's it. You're not any better. That's why it's hard to judge people. And when I see Christians fighting that, it, it really bugs me, like picketing outside an abortion clinic. Like, really? Instead of reaching out to some of these ladies that, ha- that are going through terrible times of decision and maybe present a little bit of grace to them and maybe hopefully believe God that will make a better decision. Oh, no, we're picketing. You know, fighting, just fight with everybody. Like right now, what's going on right now? There has to be a better way. Well, we can't change Washington. I mean, yeah, you could vote, but I'm saying at the end of the day, the world that you can change is your house. Okay? Start there. See how much grace you can produce in your house this week. See how much grace you can give your kids. See how much grace you can give your, your, your marriage. See how much grace you need right now to fix some of the stuff that you're dealing with. See how much grace, you know, just go ahead and say, yes, Lord, I screwed up. Help. Instead of trying to justify every little thing and every little mishap that you did, just, just have that moment. I oh, Trust me, I do it all the time. I say, Lord, yep, I broke it all. It's all broken, Lord. Can you fix it? It's all me, Lord. I'm not, I'm not here with any excuses, Lord. I broke it. You got some that Holy Ghost crazy glue? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's serious because, oh, no, Lord, it wasn't like that. It was because my wife. Oh, we're going back. Yeah. It's the woman, Lord. <laughs> right back to Genesis, right? No, like I say, what I'm trying to close this morning, I really am trying to land this thing, is grace is him. And if you see what happens in the story of Hannah, to me it's just so amazing, because 
her name carried that. And even though her, and to me, it kind of feels like the church. Because what I use, you know, what I look at the Old Testament. Why did God even let us have the Old Testament? What, what good is it for the church? Well, there's a lot of good, but I know one of the goods is type and shadow. In other words, the Old Testament presents a picture of what the New Testament is. And I see in the story of Hannah, I see the church. I see a church that loves God. I see a church that is in, you know, people that are in the church, they're worshiping, but I see a church that is broken. I see, you know, people that are just, you know, down to the last of everything. Look, the world is down to the last of everything, but it should be different for us a little bit. We're dealing with economic crisis. We're dealing with all the, you know, the, the same thing they're dealing with, we're dealing with no difference. But the thing that we have to understand is we have grace for that. And the story of Hannah represents, you know, because Hannah, her name meant grace. So I'm thinking, it's like the church, like the church of Jesus Christ. You know, that's who we are. That's not a title on a, on a board. That's just, we represent the church of Jesus Christ, the ecclesia. So you could say our name is Hannah. You see it now? You see the type and shadow? We carry the name of grace. We carry the name of victory. But what is it? The reality is there's a lot of areas in our life where we're not vindicated. There's a lot of areas of our life where, where grace hasn't manifested itself, where we're still struggling with you know, everything from finances to health to relationships. And you're wondering, why is it, why, you know, am I serving this amazing God and I still can't figure this part of my life out? I'll tell you what it is, because you still haven't figured out grace. Because once you figure out how this thing, you'll chill out. I'm telling you, not er- things that seem to become drama, like everything in your life becomes drama, you'll, you'll get a different perspective. I'm telling you, I know, because I used to be that person, you know, give me, not even that long ago, you know, five, six, seven years ago, everything was huge. Everything would magnify in me. Anybody? Raise your hand, just if you, a little bit, like things become, <laughs> thank you, one honest Christian. Though, all the rest, y'all can come up and repent for not accepting the truth. But No, we live there. We live there. And that's where we go like, oh, grace. And then the devil says, no, 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 but you got to do this, and you got to go borrow some money, and you got to go talk to her, and you got to go to Tam. No, grace. No, no, I'm not doing none of that. Grace. And then, and then see what happens. And the devil says, no, it doesn't work, no. The next day you wake up, he says, you need to go, and you go, no, 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 grace. I am Hannah, right? <laughs> I am the church of Jesus Christ. My name carries grace. Why am I struggling with this thing? And to me, that really summarizes the story of Hannah. The whole time, her name represented somebody that carried the gift, but wasn't aware of its power. I don't know if you see that in that story, but I see it really clear. Her name, she should have had an insight to this thing. Because her name meant she's beautiful. Her name, she's endowed by God. Her name means all these things, because that's what grace means. So, let me, um, give me the next one, see if I want to tackle it or not, because I I don't, I think this is where I want to stop this morning. What's the next slide up there? No, let's, let's stop there. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. I'll add a few more comments to this, to this but um, really the message, I'm going to simplify it, you know, for you, because at the end of, of this is, I need you to leave, I need to leave here with something that is tangible, that when you get in your car, you're like, you know what, I'm going to think about this. And possibly, you know, as soon as you want to drive out, some idiot does something, and the jalapeno sauce starts... And, and right there, right there's your call. 
You, are, you, you can say preach to yourself if you want to, because I need this that I'm about to say. <laughs> I needed it yesterday so bad. And you're like, no, I'm not going to get mad. I'm just going to ask for some grace over this situation. Little, tiny things that you wouldn't even consider. Pastor, that's silly. No, it's not. Because the more you develop the awareness of spirit in your life, the more you develop the awareness of grace. So, like that old country song, not that I hear country, but anyway. Jesus take the wheel? Yeah. Well, I know some of you, he should. Like, definitely, because y'all don't know how to drive. But (laughs) Jesus, take the wheel of my life through your grace. That's what we're talking about. Stop trying to figure this thing out. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you where the word has gone. And Lord, I need this message probably more than anybody else in this room. That Father, that little phrase that we learned last week that my grace is sufficient. Today we've dug a little deeper. We've gone a little further into this insight of Hannah. Tracking this amazing grace in the Old Testament. But it's available to us. And how much more Think about this. I'm praying, but think about this. If they had their version of grace without Jesus, imagine what your version of grace with Jesus is. Isn't that amazing? So much more. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'll pray for those online. This is my prayer. I want you to really, I really, I want you to go with me on this. If you could identify the cloud, the dark cloud in your life, the place where maybe you haven't been vindicated. The place where people have come against you or, you know, either somebody did it to you or you did it to yourself. But whatever version, it's a cloud. Maybe it's sickness and disease. Maybe you got a doctor's report. Maybe there's a family situation. I'm just going through the same thing we talk about almost every week. Because if grace is not here for my gutters, then what is it here for? If grace is not here for the dark areas of my life where I'm confused where I don't have the answers, what is grace for then? I'm telling you, church, you've got to reach in. You've got, you got to give me a little. You've got to pull into this thing. Father, in the name of Yeshua, the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we are a broken people. We ha- we've been from the creation. And Father, we navigate through these crazy times in this nation with all the weirdness that's out there that doesn't make any sense of anything, but Lord, we have situations at home, we have situations at work, we go on and on and on. But at the end of the day, all I need is your amazing grace. All I need is your amazing grace. And Father, I pray over every dark area of anybody's life, every cloud of confusion, of fear, of apprehension, Anything that brings anxiety, depression, those things that just pound us day in, day out, Lord, we just ask for grace. Come on, you do it for yourself. I'm praying for you, but you're going to have to do it. Say, Lord, your grace is sufficient. Now, you don't have to tell me what you're going through, but I would like if you would just do this with me. Think about what you're doing, that, 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 that cloud, that dark, whatever, however you want to label it. And I want you to say this over that. I want you to close your eyes. Follow with me. This is a spiritual exercise. doesn't make you real spiritual, but at least you see what I'm talking about. Once you see it, with your eyes closed, you say, your grace is sufficient for me.
say that. Your grace is sufficient for me. Now say this. Keep your eyes closed. Your grace is sufficient for that. Whatever that is, right? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this service. This has been a special service from the get-go. You honored us with your presence, and we receive grace for grace. (laughs) We receive grace for grace. Wait till we get to that point. In Jesus' name, I believe, Father, these people that are listening to me, the people that were online, the people come back to the podcast, that something in their spirit will move this week where their outlook on life will be completely different. And I call them blessed in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Well, did you get something out of that? Well, give the Lord praise if you did. You may be seated. God bless you. Glory to God. Since we're on the subject of grace, I'm going to read you one thing before we close. We pick up our offering. I promise I won't preach it. That if you go in, um, I guess, 2 Corinthians 9, go in your Bible, 2 Corinthians 8. Let me, let me find one point I want to make that has to do with everything we talked about. Oh, come on, Mr. Buck. Okay. 2 Corinthians, chapter, let's just go to chapter 9, because if I go to chapter 8, then I, then I will preach, and I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm done. But I want you to see it, because this is an area where people, we turn off, we turn off spirit. In other words, another, don't turn off spirit ever. Don't ever turn off spirit. But don't, so, you know, church goes through this, this, I'll tell you how church works. You come in, we have praise and worship. Why, why do we have it at the front end? Because we're carrying so much negativity that we need God's presence in music to kind of wipe us out. We sit down. We get the word. We're spirit with worship. We're spirit with the present. We're the word. We're, the word. We're, we're spirit when we pray. But then when I say we're going to pick up this morning's offering, we turn off spirit. We go natural. You started thinking checkbook. How much money do I have in the bank? Uh, am, I, am I going to tithe? Am I going to tithe? You go through all this accounting system, biblical accounting system in your head, and that's a mistake. Because one of the greatest areas of grace works is grace forgiving. <laughs> that is what, you know, because... One of the expressions of grace is to give. For God so loved the world that he... So if we, once again, for illustration purposes, if we move the word grace and we interchange it for God, because God is grace, grace so loved the world that grace gave. So when you connect that, giving does not become your pocketbook. It doesn't become your checkbook. It doesn't become your bank account. It becomes from the heart. Because here's the thing, you know, are you going to, you know, if I was to, to present something, let's say we, this was completely secular, not secular, but let's say you came to receive, you know, life coaching. Let's just call it life coaching. Did Question, did anybody get anything out of this that you potentially think it could help you this week? Okay, thank you. you know, a few people. So if this was a life coaching scenario, you would have paid a lot of money to get whatever helped you. But since church doesn't charge for stuff, well, we don't. Some churches do. We don't. Um, we devalue what was presented because it's free. So, yeah, it's cool. When you say what I heard has value and you use the God, you know, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still on this thing of grace. This is not about how many dollars you put in. 
But how much, because one of the things that grace means is value. Precious. Heavy. So I'm over here, I'm going to, you know, if I change seats with you, I'm going to say, wow, what a great message. I got some instructions. This is helping my family. It's going to help my, from losing my mind, whatever. What value does that have? Well, you can't, you know, was it worth $20? Was it worth 10000 Who knows? But it has value. And when you connect to that grace value by giving in grace, and I can show you this right here. It's, it's, not, it's not hidden. It's right there. You begin to take your whole giving dynamic to a different place. So now tithing is not even an issue. Because some people, you know, at least in my life, I don't, I don't really count. You know, I know I tithe because we give way more than I make. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, so it's like automatic. It's always, you know, we're always here, you know, moving it there, moving it there, moving it there, keeping this church sometimes floating up and sometimes whatever. But my point is, since I've given the God factor value, whatever God means in my life, giving is a non-issue for me. I could give it all away. Why? Because when God met me, I had nothing. So anything you see in my life, really, God gave it to me. So the grace of God moves through this thing. Now, where is all this in the Bible? And I'll, and I'll, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And Paul, both chapters, and we're not going to read both chapters, but those two chapters are referring specifically to an offering. So, one of the things that grace does, let me just read this, this scripture. We start with this Macedonian church, and I'm not going to preach it, verse 2, chapter 8, verse 2. How in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto riches of their liberality. Now, liberality here doesn't mean what it means nowadays. This means completely free to give. They had nothing holding them back to give an offering. What's interesting about this is that the Macedonian church was one of the poorest, well, the Macedonian region was one of the poorest regions. And it tells you they were very, very poor. But, but oh, the grace of them saying, my natural condition does not affect my spiritual condition. So the giving, pay attention, I'm almost done, did not come from how much money do I have in the bank. The giving came from, I am so grateful, God. Because of that, God blessed that. And I'm not sure where they got the money, but it says they raised a lot of money. And they were the poorest church. Where do they get the money from? I'm not sure. We'll find out when we get to heaven. But I know where they got it from. They got it, the answer is, in the next verse. For to their power, I bet record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Now, that's old English. But it basically says they gave themselves first. Before they gave a penny, they gave themselves first. They said, here I am, Lord. And wow, pray. to me this is exciting because this is a poor, poor people giving a big, big offering because of grace. Because they realize, I give myself. Now, fast forward all the way to chapter 9. And here it is. You, you, can, you, can, you can remove chapter numbers and verse and just read the whole thing and you'll get a lot more out of it if you just read those two chapters. I'm, I'm reading King James' old, you know, old translation, but you can passion, what have you. So now, verse 6, I just, I'm just going to read through and, and I won't stop for comment unless I really have to say this. But I say this, He which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purpose in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or out of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. Are you ready for verse 8? 
No, you guys aren't ready for verse 8. Let's try again. Are you ready for verse 8? Yes, Pastor, we want to go home. And God is able to make all grace abound. Grace for healing. Grace for your kids not acting like a bunch of lunatics. Grace for your marriage to be happy. Grace for your, you know, to have sleep at night. You name it. It's all there. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Verse, let me just jump, jump to verse 10 and 11 and we're done. Now he that ministered seed to the sower, both ministered bread to your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the seed, the fruit of your righteousness. Here it comes. Because this is where I want to be. And don't, don't give me that false humility because I'll keep you all here till 2 o'clock, I promise. No, just kidding. Being enriched in how many things? Just make it real long. Everything. That means you got more than you know what to do with it. That's what that means. Because your grace and God's grace has never limited you in what you're going to do when God calls you to do something. When God calls you to go to Cuba, when God calls you to sow a seed to Cuba, when God calls you to come and clean the church, when God calls you to give, you know, do something that's beyond, because trust me, my wife and I have been many times where God says, I want you to give so much, you're like, whoa, Lord, let me think about that. That's got too many zeros on it, you know. All these things come together right there. Amen? All right. Stand to your feet. I'm done. If you didn't get it, we'll try it again next week, I guess. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Now, thank you for your offerings. Like I said, you know, don't let the economy talk to you about kingdom. Kingdom should talk about the economy. Because if you, and I'm telling you, I can see it. Because, you know, we track these things. When, when the mindset goes like, ah, $5 gas. All right? My God is able to fill a $5 a gas tank. And the previous owner of my truck decided to put a 50-gallon tank in my truck. That's $250 to fill it up. But the same guy that used to fill it with 70, right, Damian? You know what I'm talking about, brother. The same guy that used to fill it with 75 is going to fill it with 250. Because my economy, or economical system, or financial system is not based on that mess. It's based on this economy. I'm not going to stop giving I'm not going to stop sowing just because the government doesn't know what they're doing. All right? Let's pray. Do what you got to do. It's right there, and I'll let you go. Father, once again, thank you, sir, for a great morning, great service. We've talked a lot of things, and, Lord, we just got to go home and kind of digest some of these things that we heard. But I do give you glory, Father, for what's been talked in this house. We sow this seed, Father, in love and obedience into our different outreaches, Cuba, Mexico, what have you. But, Father, more than anything, it's the grace beyond, be, behind that offering. It's the grace that, that carries whatever dollar amount is attached to it. And I just thank you that your grace is all we need. We pray right now for anybody struggling financially with this economy, people that need jobs or a better job. I pray that this very week doors of opportunity will be opened. Come on, guys, some, that might be you. And you are going to find the job. You're either going to get a promotion, but you will not suffer, and your family's not going to suffer during this, this adjustment or whatever they're calling it. We will not participate in another recession. We are subject to the kingdom of God and kingdom of God only. I thank you, Father. Until I see him again, I call everyone here blessed in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Well, Wednesday night, 6 p.m., if you all want to come and pray with us. We had a good prayer service last week. so.